Hello and welcome to episode number 57 of the Web 2.0 show, Get Glue. I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. Today we sat down and talked with Alex Iscold. Alex is the founder and CEO of Adaptive Blue and GetGlue.com. Uh, Alex started Adaptive Blue back in 06. They're a startup based in New York City and they've been focusing on using semantic technologies to create a better web browsing experience for, for quite a while now. Uh, they came up with this product called GetGlue.com, which is what the interview is about. And essentially, GetGlue.com is a social recommendation engine. And it helps you discover new books, music, movies, wines, movie stars, and more through this recommend, uh, this recommendation engine they have. I think Glue is, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome what they're doing. You definitely need to check it out. Listen to the interview. Alex is really, really smart with semantics and the semantic web, and they've been pioneering that effort for quite a long time. Check them out, getglue.com. Yes, you may have noticed that we have launched a new site. We're actually in process of relaunching the show as we speak, and uh, there are some more details to be exposed about that soon. Just sit tight. Please, any feedback, though, send uh, send your feedback to feedback at web20show.com. I'm eager to hear whatever uh, you have to say, who you would like to see on the show, recommendations, just general chat, a high five, whatever. Uh, if you're not doing so already, please do it right now. Go to twitter.com. If you don't already have a Twitter account, get one. And then go ahead and follow me and follow the show. My handle on Twitter is Adam Stack. That's Adam, S-T-A-C. And the show's handle on Twitter is Web2O-Show. So that's W-E-B-2-0 Show. And without further ado, let's get on with the show. So today we have Alex Is Cold with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Alex. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, my name is Alex Iskold. I'm a founder and CEO of a New York-based startup called Adaptive Blue. And uh, you also may have seen some of my uh, writing on uh, Read, Write, Web. I write on various tech topics ranging from semantic web to recommendations and cloud computing. Very cool. So uh, tell us a little bit about Adaptive Blue and the work you guys are doing there. Um, we are working on uh, a pretty interesting uh, network, which is based on um, underlying semantic engine. That's a the, This network is a browser add-on, which automatically connects you with your friends around books, music, movies, and other everyday things that you visit online. So once you install Glue and you go to, let's say, a book on Amazon, you can see your friends who also check this book out around different book sites on the web. I just uh, I did a quick install of it, and the initial user experience of it is pretty snazzy because uh, it seems to be very helpful in its, uh, in its process of getting the user up to speed on what it can do and, and all that good stuff. So... 
just to start off, this uh, Glue, it, it's a browser plugin for Firefox only, right? So if you're going to use it, you have to be using the browser Firefox. Is that correct? Uh, there's also a version for Internet Explorer that you can install. And okay. uh, it, it, uh, the Get Glue website knows what browser you have, so it will automatically give you the correct version. Stuff. All right. Yeah, it seems pretty snazzy. So what... Uh, where did the, the idea of, of Glue come from? Besides, I know you've been leading the, the semantic web wars for for what seems like years now, right? But uh, where did the idea of Glue come from? Well, the basic idea about Glue is that, we, you know, we, we think that it makes sense to for the web to be more contextual. So when I'm interacting with a book, there's, there's like a limited number of things that I want to know about it. Um, you know, like... Knowing what my friends thought about it is, is super important to me. Knowing what like-minded people thought about it uh, is important. Knowing if it's a new book, how popular it is, you know, is important. And then once I figured out that this book is for me, I may want to do a couple of things. One, you know, I may want to buy it on the spot, or I may want to send it to my Kindle, or, you know, I may want to add it to my... Amazon wish list, or I may want to tweet about it or post it to my Facebook. And the idea is, why can't browsers just understand that, you know, when we're browsing the web, we're really looking at, you know, pretty limited number of different things like books, music, movies, articles, videos, photos, and why can't it provide, you know, functions that help us, like, get to what, what we want faster? Why can't the browser just wire the web our way. And that's sort of the underlying idea behind Glue is just to build a, you know, an intelligent add-on that simplifies your life by surfacing you know, all the important information that you may want to get right in your context and kind of connecting websites for you and connecting web services in the, in the right way. Right. Without going too deep into the technicals of, of exactly how you... Uh, it seems like to me create uh, create magic. You create uh, meaning from stuff that is just plain old HTML. How uh, what's the process right now with the glue? Uh, actually, like looking at Amazon in a book and knowing what it is. How do you how do you do that now? So the way that glue works is on on the back end. It has something that we call uh, semantic databases. So the way that the way that it works is first time when uh, a glue user goes to a book on any of the sites that we recognize, like on Barnes & Noble or Amazon or Powell's or dozens of other book sites. This book goes into the system and we would get a couple of clues from the page, like, you know, title and the author. And then we would do a search of, you know, of our semantic database to really figure out which book this is. And so once, once Glue figures this out, it will know forever that on this page it's that book in our system, and that's how it automatically figures out, you know, that this this one book exists on many different uh, websites and it's the same. So it kind of builds a list of all the links and all the pages where this book exists on the web, and then for all the users, it just it just works. So as soon as the first user discovers a book in our system, then for everyone else. Is just a really quick lookup. So as people browsing, as our users browsing the web, Blue is learning more and more about 
you know, objects out there and building up, you know, building up a database of, of things on the back end. But that's that's site specific, right? Like you guys have to go in and say, like, here's the ISBN number on Amazon. Here's the ISBN number on Barnes and Noble, etc. So there's there's a couple of ways, and actually for books it runs off titles and um, and 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 authors because in our system um, it doesn't distinguish between, like, for example, hardcover and softcover because users don't care. It's like if you looked at Kite Runner softcover and I looked at Kite Runner hardcover and we're friends, we want to be connected. Like, pe- people don't really care that it's sort of like different format. So, 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 so in that regard, Glue uses, um, you know, kind of like what, what I would call like human clues, meaning things that people think about when they look at objects. And it's really not site-specific as much anymore because it really is all based on the APIs and just being able to search the semantic databases. And the site-specific piece is reduced to kind of like very, very, you know, small bit of logic. What we also do is we enable publishers to mark up their pages. So if somebody wants to mark up their page so that Glue recognizes it, they can, they can do that using um, AB meta markup. So it's either us building a recognizer for the site and tying it to the semantic database or, you know, publishers can actually uh, mark up their pages. Well, this is interesting, this, uh, this AB meta markup. So is this something that you're behind or pioneering? So this is something that we worked with uh, on cup, with a couple of companies on. Uh, we got some help from Yahoo on this. And, yeah, it's a, it's a markup which is really just a super simple way to tag your page to say, hey, this page is about a book or, hey, this page is about a movie. And it really requires just a few attributes for the publisher to put on the page. And then the benefits are that tools like Glue can recognize it. And, you know, also, um, even more importantly, the search engines can now recognize that this is not just a page, but it's a page about a book. And it can do cool things like, um, you know, if you've seen like what SearchMonkey is doing, which is showing you an intelligent preview of a search result as opposed to just showing you a link. So by, by kind of annotating their content uh, with a semantic markup, publishers make it, you know, easier for tools like Glue and also for search engines to deliver value to the users and make the results more presentable. Right. So... How far off the path is is AB Meta in comparison to something more prevalent, or at least in my eyes? Microformats. I'm I'm far behind the scenes than you are, but what's the difference between that and microformats? So, so the difference there's two um, there's two differences. One is um, AB Meta is based on RDFA, which is W3C uh, kind of uh, recommended markup language for marking up metadata in, um, in web pages. And the second difference is that um, microformats focus a lot on um, enabling meaning by, by, by layering it on top of the existing, you know, uh, existing XHTML at at what I believe at the expense of like clarity and readability. So what, what microformats do is they kind of leverage a lot of elements and make 
kind of like markup based as much as possible on what already exists in the web pages. And Glue uh, kind of does the opposite by being a little bit more verbose, but much more clear in my mind. So for example, microformat, there's like a microformat for reviews. And, you know, instead in Glue, you would have, you know, in, in AB Matter, you would have um, a declaration that this page is about a book. So it's not necessarily a review. It's not restricted to review. It just says there is a book on this page and there's no concept of, you know, pricing and there's no concept of necessarily rating because these are not primary concepts to, to you know, to, to the book as an object. So you just want as a publisher be able to declare that there's a, there's a page about a book or there's a page about a movie. And then, um, you know, AB Matter allows people to add more tags if they want to on, on top of it. So that's, that's basically... That's basically the difference. As a as someone who's implemented microformats in in quite a few sites, I would say over the past you know two two and a half years, I would say that you're probably right on clarity. Like implementing microformats isn't always uh, a perfect science. You got to sort of shove it into your existing XHTML, and it's not quite always is a always a good road to go down. Right. It yeah, seems I, like, I completely uh, agree. And I think that something more readable, like in like these, uh, like AB Meta and RF uh, RDFA, this uh, this di- direction is probably a better direction. Yeah, is, I mean, uh, yep, go the, ahead. it says uh, some of the implementations have been by like O'Reilly and and Blipper and, uh, and a bunch of others. Can you can you talk about some various implementations and how you tie into those now? Yeah, so so you know. This format is out there, and we've been contacted by like a bunch of people who said, "Hey, we want to have glue on our site. How can we do that?" And we just point them to AB Matter because as soon as you implement it, um, glue will just start working because it recognizes the format. Um, now, in terms of the ease of the implementation, just to give you just to give you an idea, it literally took people, you know, between you know from the anecdotal stories between two hours to two days. To implement this, and the reason that it's so simple is because the information that um, AB Meta requires is already on the page. It's just not formatted, you know, using the, using the meta tags that would make it easy to to read the page. So one of the one of the things that I'm a big proponent of is putting these bits of metadata into the headers, especially for pages that are exclusively about, you know, objects like books, music, movies, and so forth. The reason for this is because it makes it much cheaper for tools to recognize the content of the page. The well, yeah, also it's a document. Too. I mean, people forget that the web is just a bunch of documents on the web, so the header starts to describe what the document's about, and it makes sense to put things that mean a lot in the That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And now if you look at the microformats, you know, you can't really annotate it, at least to my knowledge, you can't really declare them in the header. So, but what ends up happening is indexing these documents becomes expensive because you have to, you have to then go and search through entire page. I mean, it, it's been, you know, it's not a super, super difficult technical issue, but it is an issue that I think is, is, is important because with AB Matter, you can just look at the header and you don't even need to read the document. Um, and so, so, so that's, that's kind of another, uh, another differencing, differencing point. But to me, it goes back to 
uh, you know, kind of like object-oriented programming and my, my background as a, you know, as, as a, you know, uh, computer engineer, like I want to create abstractions that describe concepts in a way that is legible and readable. I don't, I don't want to have to like squint at things and trying to figure out like what, what this means. It's, to me, it's very simple. It's like, we're talking about a book, so just say this page has a book. And then, you know, what, what attributes uh, books have? Well, important ones are author, you know, maybe many authors, and then a year when it was published, and, you know, maybe a couple of other things. But that's about it, so why not just say, this is a book, here's the author, here's the year, here's the description, so that, you know, it's legible and, and upfront and easy to read. So what's it take, uh, talking about programming a little bit, uh, what's it take to run a plugin like this on the back end? Like, wh what kind of uh, language did you guys use, um, you know, server setup, that kind of stuff? So, so that's, that, that, that's a good question. And um, what we're doing is we are, we've architected our entire backend is based on Amazon Web Services. We are one of the biggest users of AWS and one of the earliest ones. And um, on the back end, we're running EC2. All of our web servers are running uh, on EC2. And we're using uh, SimpleDB to store relationships between people and things. So we're not using relational database. We're using this new database from Amazon uh, to store uh, the relationships between people and things as they browse the web. And we also use um, Amazon S3 for storing um, things like user profiles, user avatars, and so forth. So basically the entire backend is written in Java and is running on Amazon Web Services. <clears throat> so uh, that's actually pretty cool. Um, that's, uh, I, I didn't realize you guys were, were such a big uh, Web Services user. So um, you guys are using a document database. Um, what what's that been like? I mean, uh, kind of ditching the the standard MySQL that most people would use. Well, there's there's um, we actually published a pretty big case study on our blog about why we're using SimpleDB instead of a relational database, and our kind of primary consideration was, um, you know, scalability and um, being able to represent our our information in a compact way. As we can, as you can imagine, you know, the volume of the information that we're receiving daily when people are bumping into books, music, and movies online is, is, is that you know it's quite substantial. And as our user base growing, it becomes bigger and bigger. And so, one of the challenges with the relational database uh, that we thought of is, well, how is that going to be scaling? Um, and we've we've uh, looked around and we saw that Amazon was. Uh, doing the beta of uh, what's called SimpleDB, which is essentially a, a substantially trimmed down, uh, you know, it's not really a relational database, but substantially trimmed down version of relational database that's designed specifically to support the use cases like Glue. And, you know, without hesitance, we just jumped on that uh, wagon and it's been working out great for us. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of activity. We, we generally use Rails. Um, and there's been a lot of kind of interest in the document database side of things. A lot of people are talking about MongoDB or CouchDB. 
So I, I find it interesting whenever I, I hear people have switched. It's, uh, it's always interesting to hear why. There's a whole bunch of different flavors of these DBs. The ones that you mentioned are slightly different from SimpleDB, which is not a document database, so to speak. It's more of a record-based kind of like flat file database. And then, you know, S3 is more of a document database. But, you know, to, to me as being, you know, like I've, I've been doing sort of dif in different capacity computing and large-scale computing for the past 15 years, it's the most important thing. is like you've got to pick the right thing, the right tool for the job, not all, you know, it, it's not true that relational database are always bad. Like some, there's, you know, we are using it for certain things and it's, it's great, like for stats and being able to do reporting. But also there's better tools today than just your old LAMP stack, you know, like five years ago, you can get better solutions that will allow you to scale your, you know, scale your user base and just to do things more effectively, uh, you know, both from computational and like cost perspective. Yeah, definitely. Are you guys using the, um, any of the new CloudWatch stuff or any of the, uh, the new tools that they released recently to automatically spin up new servers on EC2? We're not doing that. We're, um, we're, we, we think we're up to eight or ten instances um, right now, and we're not doing sort of this on-demand. Uh, we're not doing any, any, any on-demand stuff. All of it is just we can, we can restart instances uh, manually. But, you know, it's, it's, nice, it's nice to be able to have this, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, if all goes well and we, we keep on growing, then, you know, we, we'd want to have this kind, of, this kind of capabilities. I know we didn't actually uh, talk about this a little bit earlier, but uh, from back in the day with, I think it was about a year, maybe two years ago, you guys had a second uh, sort of initiative like Glue. What was, that, uh, what was that about, and what's the difference between what you did then and what you're doing now? Um, our original version of the product was called Blue Organizer, and essentially Glue is just an evolution of it. It shares the same uh, premise, which is that you know the next gen of the web is going to be all about context and being able to um, you know in context get a lot of things done without you know leaving the page and without having to search a lot. And so Glue is just kind of like a, a next gen of the technology. It's a, you know, it's a rename and rebrand, but at its core, it's the same thing. And it also adds kind of social dimension to Blue Organizer, which was just focused on the personal utility. But, you know, when you bring people into the mix, it becomes so much more fun. All right. Tell us, how, tell us how you're doing that. Like I noticed when I first signed up, I had the option of, going the route of letting you know my Facebook information, and that obviously probably buys me the ability to easily find friends and, and so forth. Can you tell us about how tying into other networks have uh, allowed you to really do what you're doing right now with Glue? Yeah, so that's, 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 a, that's a great question, and, and, one, and a question that people ask us a lot. I mean, our goal is not to recreate social, social graph, and we're, we're already doing a couple of really interesting things, and I'm also going to tell you a little bit about what what, what's coming in, 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 in the pipeline. I mean, the idea is people already have Facebook and Twitter accounts. They already expressed who their friends are and who they want to follow for news. So our, one of our big jobs is to just run on top of these social networks. And the way that we're doing it is, you know, as soon as you give Glue 
your Facebook or Twitter ID. What Glue does behind the scenes is it does what we call a two-way sync, which is, you know, whenever your friends join Glue, you will be automatically connected to them on Glue. You don't have to gesture to follow people individually. And this is this is this is great help because you know you don't, the last thing you want to do is like go through and like reinvite all your friends. It's it's right. it's really painful. So Glue just does this automatically. And what we're also working on um, is being able to surface information about your friends even if they're not on Glue at all. And this sounds like you know an impossible thing, but thanks to things like um, recent friend feed search, it becomes, you know, more plausible and, you know, using Twitter search becomes more plausible and I think Facebook is probably going to offer search soon as well. So the idea is your friends may not even be on Glue, but they are publishing their information out there on the web and they're saying, you know, I like these books, I like these movies. And then Glue is able to automatically search the web for you and pull this information, you know, into your current context and so you can see what your friends get to say. That becomes, that's kind of our, you know, goal to be able to do all this stuff uh, sometime later this year. And I think that that would, you know, make it yet easier for people to uh, use Glue. Um, you'd mentioned before that uh, you had like a second coming. That's why we had a slight delay in, in recording the podcast, actually. what? What are some of the things that have recently come out that really excite you, and can you give us kind of a brief description of each? Absolutely. So, so we, we released a new version last week, and uh, there's a bunch of bunch of improvements in it. But the kind of the flagship feature is we're now surfacing um, suggestions in Glue, and we really kind of got to the point, kind of got to the goal that we originally set, which is deliver contextual suggestions for the users in a really cool way. So first of all, whenever you go to a book, music album, or a movie, you can just tap a button and Glue will show you related books, music, and movies that you know are similar to the one you're looking at. And what happens over time, as you browse the web and you like different books, music, and movies, uh, there's a couple of things happening. One is Glue is learning what you like and it surfaces you a suggestion screen where you can see, based on things that you liked in the past, what, what else you would find interesting. And in addition to this, Glue also builds you uh, two other suggestion screens. One is things that are popular with your friends. So essentially, when you click like button on Glue, you're voting for what should go into your friend's suggestions and when they click their like button, they vote onto what basically you will be seeing. And you also see a suggestions tab, which is everything that's popular on Glue right now. So what what's hot, like what all Glue users are have been visiting in the past seven days, and that kind of popular you know popular suggestions are super accurate and kind of reflect the pulse of the web because they work you know, automatically as, as people browse different books, music, and movies that they're interested in, Glue automatically calculates what's hot right now. And so having these, um, having this kind of tiered um, system of suggestions where you can get recommendations based on your tastes, 
based on what your friends like and based based on what's popular is 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 really exciting and and and, and pretty unique and you know a lot of users um, already emailed us and said that this is like pretty amazing and they're 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 loving the suggestions. So you must have a pretty uh, a pretty decent uh, uptake in usage. What uh, like with this most recent version? Have you uh, like have you like super peaked on on the amount of new users or what's been your I guess your how <laughs> are you getting a lot of new users basically is what I'm trying to say we're, get, we're getting we're getting uh, we're getting new users and we've been recommended that on on Firefox which drives you know a decent amount of downloads daily what we've seen and been very pleased with uh, with this latest release is that the number of times that people click the like button. Uh, has just drastically went up. So, so you know, we're we're getting a lot of explicit data in the system, which is awesome because every time when you click the like button, you get better suggestions and your friends get better suggestions. So what? I mean, that, that's got to be some hefty calculations. Are you guys using like Hadoop or some other kind of MapReduce technology to to do those calculations, or how's that getting done? So, so. You know, we have um, an intelligent homegrown architecture that does it, and there is no, you know, we're, we're not we're not using Hadoop for this. We're just what what happens is it's um, it's a it's an on-demand calculation, which is as you uh, request what's popular with your friends, um, it will it will figure out whether it needs to be rebuilt or not, and it will do it on the fly. And then next time when you request it. It will show you, you know, fresher data. So that's one thing that we're doing. And secondly, for all users, regardless of how active you are on Glue, we rebuild your suggestions using using an intelligent algorithm uh, weekly. So every week you're getting a fresh set of suggestions. And then let's say let's say we suggest you 20, you know, or like let's say 250 new movies. And let's say you went and you checked out 20 of them. The next week, they're not even going to be in the recommendation in, in your recommendations list. So stuff that you visit automatically disappears. And this is one of the things that you know kind of is frust- was frustrating to us with lots of other recommendation systems because they keep on showing you the same stuff you're not interested in. And that's what Glue does very well, which is it understands that okay, you checked it out, now you want something new. And so it, it, uh, it tries hard to always deliver you new, uh, entertaining stuff. Man, sounds pretty cool. I love suggestion stuff. I'm the guy that sits there for like an hour and goes through Netflix and I like this movie, I hate this movie. But uh, I, don't, I don't use Firefox. Are you guys working on a Safari plugin? Um, we have... So, so we, we also have a Glue API, and a bunch of people build applications on it. There is a uh, there's an application called Glue to Go, which uh, which which is just a bookmarklet that you can use. Um, you know, you can add it to your Safari. It's not. It's definitely not as, um, as as fully functional as Glue itself. There is also now an ability to use Glue without having it installed at all. You can just go to getglue.com slash bar and then after that paste any URL and you're gonna get you're gonna get you know glue on the bottom of your page so it works in a standalone mode 
The caveat is you're not going to get any personalized suggestions because glue doesn't really know you. The whole benefit is when you, you know, install it and, you know, you let it, you kind of let it learn what you like, then you get a lot out of it. But if you just use it kind of like without being signed up, then you can't really learn what you like. All right. Uh, you got any more questions, Adam? No, I guess um, I, I guess I don't. I I think the this is just a personal uh, question, I guess. But since you're so deep into other things like AB Meta and Commentary, which was something we didn't really talk about, but you shared a link uh, prior to the interview. If you're so involved with AB Meta and Commentag, what is what is your stance on microformats, and is it a waste of time? Well, my, my stand is that any tagging is better than no tagging, and my sense is, you know, ultimately it is so easy for us to maintain even like several formats that computers can recognize. It's it's really easy to write an algorithm once and then, you know, have, have it used. The, the question is sort of like, what's the incentive for publishers to annotate their content? And to me, the biggest deal is if the search engines, the heavyweights, will, you know, recognize the formats with the recent stuff that Google uh, released with stuff like Search Monkey from Yahoo, if people get serious about it, then, you know, it... It has a potential to take off. On the other hand, if you look at something like Bing and other kind of engines that are already basically semantic, they are already good at fishing out structured information out of you know unstructured documents. We're we're getting there in a top-down way, which I've written about a lot. Meaning, like there's algorithms that figure things out. I mean, Glue is an algorithm. And it figures it out for hundreds and hundreds of popular sites without publishers having to do a thing. So basically what I'm seeing is kind of a combination of these algorithmic top-down stuff and you know bottom-up stuff like microformats and AB Meta is getting us to where we need to be already kind of. You know? And personally, my vote is to annotate things in a way that's clear. Like I think clarity and readability and simplicity is like super, super important, um, even at the expense of precision sometimes. That's that, that's my take. So so I, I'd be really glad if we could converge on formats that are simple to read. Good answer. So I guess it's uh, probably to, to run that time. Josh normally asks it, but... Uh... I'm curious if you guys have anything super secret that you haven't told anybody else, but you want to tell our audience. Um, okay. Well, it's not it's not like a super super big secret, but it's something that I am super excited about. Um, you will be getting a lot of a lot more uh, contextual previews in the next release of Glue. So when you mouse over a musical album, you'll be able to press play button and start playing it on the spot. When you're going to bump into the movie, there will be a play button to play the trailer right there. And um, the actions to be able to add it to your Netflix queue and Amazon wish list and all this other contextual stuff is going to be uh, redone even better than it's done today. And it's going to be 
completely amazing experience, just like totally seamless connecting your web around. And I'm, I can't wait to get, you know, to get this out the door. Right. That sounds hot. It does sound awesome. Yeah. It's kind of like, I know that whenever a friend's over or whatever, if, even if I'm looking at a movie, I use, uh, this is a long in the conversation, but I, uh, locally I have a Mac set up as uh, a Mac mini set up as my media center. And it ties into a Drobo, and, and it runs boxy. So whenever I have a friend over and I'm talking about movies, I can easily just see trailers. And it's just so convenient to see trailers on Apple trailers. So you saying that is just like some of what I've been experiencing there and have enjoyed. So can't wait to take it to the web. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the web. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. Alex, it was awesome having you on the show, man. Really uh, appreciate everything you've done with with uh, the semantic web and Glue sounds hot. I'm excited about what you're doing with it and uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks a lot for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Web 2.0 Show. Be sure to check out web2oshow.com for links in the show notes or to leave a comment on the show. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>